Good afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. Good afternoon. We're doing okay this afternoon? Amen, amen, and amen. Well, what we'd like to do at this time, if you're able to uh, rest upon your feet, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 361. Hymn 361, hymn 361, when I see the blood. Hymn 361, when I see the blood. Hymn 361. thankful for the blood this afternoon father father we just are also thankful lord for the soul that was saved uh earlier today father and we just counted a blessing and an answer to prayer and right now father we just pray lord that you'll just bless the the remainder of uh this worship lord to you and uh that you uh bless the preaching and the teaching of your word this afternoon it is in the name of jesus we do ask this prayer amen and amen we're singing about the blood because there is power in the blood amen hymn 362 hymn 362 there is power in the blood hymn 362 hey. 
power, transforming power, exciting power. All right, let me give you some announcements uh, for this afternoon. Don't forget about soul winning. Saturday morning at 9.30 in the morning, we're going to go out and knock doors, invite folks to come to church. Amen. We had a good crowd go out with us yesterday, uh, and it was an exciting time. Amen. Then don't forget, we're, uh, 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 we have um, Andretti's, uh, um, I guess it's called indoor uh, go-karting, right? Amen. Yeah. And that'll be August 12th. It's only $10, amen. It's from 4 o'clock in the evening till 8 p.m. Good time to have fun. Now, we got to have people sign up. We need to have at least 12 signed up to get the price we need to get, amen. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going to go, please sign up. If you have a friend that you'd like to take with you, please sign up. If you've got an enemy you'd like to take with you and, and run him into the wall, please sign up. Amen. Uh, so that we can have a good time. I encourage you. It's been, it'll be fun. It will be fun. And I want to encourage you, if you could, to be a part of that. You say, is there an age limit? Yes. You've got to be older than a toddler. All right. <laughs> you got to be at least have a driver's license, and I think got to be 18. Am I right? 18 years of age. But I want to encourage you to uh, go and have fun. Amen. We got a lot of things coming up in the future. Don't forget about uh, uh, Plano's uh, Ladies Quilting Show or Quilting uh, Show. That'll be this uh, 12th on Saturday the 12th. Um, if you have any questions about that, 
please see Mrs. White, and she can help you to take care of that. Tickets are on sale at the door, and you can purchase them there. And if you want to get them before that, please see Mrs. White. She knows how to get them. I have no idea. Amen? I like quilts to be placed on me. I don't know how to put them together. Amen? You don't want me to put a quilt together. Amen? I promise you don't want that. But amen. Uh, don't forget to mark your calendar for the ladies' retreat. That will be coming up in the month of September, September 8th and 9th. Uh, they, we are signing up now so we can get a, the right number of rooms. If you're planning to go as a lady, uh, please uh, sign that up. I want to thank everybody for being here. We want to thank our visitors for being here. We had a wonderful time this morning. had a couple of visitors. If you're a first-time visitor here tonight and you did not receive a visitor card when you came in, if you'll slip our hand, your hand up, one of our ushers are going to come right to your place, give you a card, and we're going to ask you to fill that out. Then after the service in the foyer, I'll be out by the desk. Just come out there and give me your card, and I have a gift card for you. So is there anybody here that needs to have a, a visitor card? All righty. And so uh, just want to make sure you feel welcome, amen. It was great to see Jacob get uh, uh, saved this morning. God's just so good, amen. That's what we prayed for at 23 and 23. Say, so how did that go this morning? We had 23 and 23 this, uh, this Sunday morning for prayer, amen. God's good to give us what we asked for, amen. And so continue to be a part of that. Well, let's take our offering, amen. We're going to pray, and if you have an offering, just go ahead and bring it up and put it in the plate. It's always wonderful to give back to God. Amen. Every time you invest in an offering or a tithe, you're actually investing in eternal values. Amen. You're actually putting it in a bank in heaven. You're not actually giving it here. It's not the church's money. You're giving it to the Lord. Amen. And you're making a, an investment in eternity. And so I want to thank you for those that are investing in heaven and eternity, eternity and its values. And God will reward us for those things we invest with him. And the dividend is eternal. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of offering. Thank you for allowing us to give to you what you've given to us and trusting us to bring our tithes and offerings back here to where we can give to you. We ask that you bless our offering. May it go far to meet the needs of this church. I ask that you give us wisdom and guidance. As we spend every penny, help us to always remember this is your money and not man's. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, come and give it at this time. him I was I was looking a little mystified because while we were going to sing there is power in the blood in my mind I was expecting are you washed in the blood so that's the reason I was looking like well what are we singing 
But guess what we're going to sing right now, if you're able to rise to your feet? We're going to sing the song that I've been wanting to sing from the last time, and that is Are You Washed in the Blood, hymn 365. After we sing, please greet each other. We'll do first and last verses. Here we go. Or have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the
Ready? Just, amen. All right, that's great, isn't it? Acts chapter 1, let's start there again. Appreciate that harmony. Harmony, musical harmony, is a picture of how the triune God is. They all work in absolute harmony. And by the way, God's the perfect pitch. We tune to God. Not having a great musical ear, but loving God and music and being in a musical family, some of it caught on. Uh, I appreciate that analogy because God is a great composer. Uh, who came up with music? You know, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to sing over us. Yeah, He's going to sing over us. There's a passage in that. I haven't got time to look at it, but it's there. Just go check it out. You'll find it. It's in Genesis to Revelation. You can find it. It's in the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to read this passage and notice the words now, how some things will uh, stand out to you a little bit. And there's something I want you to see. And then, can I do a couple cross-references like you did? Great teacher. I really I enjoy his class. I, my wife and I appreciate getting to know him years ago. He is a blessing. Brother, you stay with the Lord. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, the Gospel of Luke, Acts chapter 1, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Sometimes people say, what's your favorite gospel? I say, yes. <laughs> I love them all. It kind of depends what I'm studying. And, and I wrote a book on Mark, and I'm getting ready to do it on Luke if I can get, find the time. I, I love Luke. Until the day in which he was taken until the day which he was taken up, again, as God, he belongs there, but a member of the human race, Christ entered the human race. He was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, taken up by the Father and the Holy Spirit, etc., had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he spent 40 days getting them set up and basically the great commission, the commission that this church is carrying out right now. You go into all the world. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after his death, by proof, proofs, infallible, many infallible proofs. By the way, the Old Testament foretold it ahead of time. Christ came and crossed every T and dotted every I of the prophecies. The T's are perfect. The I's are perfect on top. I mean, it's just absolutely, the Bible proves itself true. It is absolutely proves itself true. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. A little commentary on that in 1 Corinthians 15. You get home today, the first 11 verses. And being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, the greater New Testament Holy Spirit ministry, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence, technically 10 more days after this. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of God to Israel, or the kingdom to Israel? These are Jewish people. They're waiting for the kingdom. The church age is setting out before them, and they're still trying to figure all this out. And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. And brother, I enjoyed your singing right here. The words you added to that word power, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. But you shall receive power, authority, ability. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay? The coming upon was a sign. It's when he filled them, especially. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now watch. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld. Did he just grow up real slow? Did he go, where'd he go? 
Watch, this is amazing. He was taken up. There it is again. Why is the Bible? The Bible never says anything just to say it. You and I have to understand, again, that we have been fully accepted in the presence of God. Your loved ones that are saved are in the presence of God. When we die, we are immediately taken up. And we're going to be there forever. We're not going to a resort. We're going to the Father's house. You've got to like somebody to let them move in. Look what it says here. Taken up, a cloud received him out of their sight. By the way, he's coming back the same way. He won't come out of some well in the ground from the Middle East. He won't come from out of some forest. He's not going to rise up out of some religious institution. I'll just put it out there like that. He's going to come back the same way he left. Look at this. Steadfastly toward heaven. They look steadfastly. They're still looking toward heaven. Something's going on here as you're going to see them. And he went, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And they said, which also said, ye men of Galilee. Why stand you gazing? Notice that they're looking. They're looking up. They're steadfastly looking. Why stand you gazing up into heaven? Like, is he coming back? This same Jesus. By the way, the same Jesus coming back. Not a second Jesus. Not another prophet or another Messiah. No, this, this one here. This one here. Which is taken up from you into heaven. Shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for the word of God. We're standing in front of a mountain higher than Mount Everest, and we might get a little bit of the slope. It, it is so profound. I pray the Spirit of God would take us beyond our ability to give forth and receive. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, go ahead and turn there. And if I, if I forget to go there, you remind me, go to Psalm 47. We're going to hold there. I'm going to tell you a little story. My wife's here. And honey, if I exaggerate, you stand up and say, you're exaggerating. I want them to know that this, is, this happened. She is an eyewitness, and you can trust my wife. <laughs> Believe me, say, how do I know? Well, we've been married over 40 years, and she's still with me. So she's kept her vow. Uh, Psalm 47, okay? You say, how'd she do that? By the grace of God, <laughs> okay? All right. How did I do it? I'm smart. Enough, okay? You buy kids toys. You know, when you grow up, you buy toys for your children, and you do it because you have a pure heart. And because you couldn't afford them when you were a kid, and you want to play with them now, okay? They had this Cox, little Cox. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. They're, they're gas-powered, you know, not gasoline, but a, a type of fuel, a gas-powered helicopter. I had the cars, they'd wreck. This is a helicopter. It's not on a string. And you turn that blade, you turn that blade and it starts, and that thing just flies on its own. And so we bought it. And being the good father that I was, I went with him and, you know, taught him how to do it. And I think, I don't know, honey, 11 or 12, I think 11 or 12 years old maybe, somewhere along that age. And we got there, and the, if some of you have ever had it, you got to tweak it just right. You bend this little thing, whatever. And the first time it started, it goes up, and it flew pretty good. It kind of would fly, maybe fly around this area, and it kind of came down. We thought, boy, that was cool. And we're at Veterans Park in Arlington, the biggest one I could find. And we did it, I don't know, I bet we did it, oh, I would guess conservatively 25 times. Because it goes up and flies for about a minute or two, and it comes down maybe, maybe two minutes or so, three. And each time it kind of got a little better, and it got well, it went straighter, we kind of adjusted. And, man, we got excited because it was going up, and we were having fun. And then the motor cuts out, and it just floats down, and, huge park. There's plenty. We chase it down. 
And it never got to where I couldn't see it, my 39-year-old eyes, I couldn't see it, you know. Yeah, I could always see it, and of course, his eyes were still good and stuff. And so we just got excited, and I said, you know, we're like those lepers in the Old Testament. It would be selfish for us to keep this to ourselves. We've got to go tell them about all this food left behind in these tents. So we went home to get my wife and Hannah, that's my oldest daughter, because we didn't want to miss out on this. And we told them, you're not going to believe this thing. This is the greatest toy I've ever, uh, this is the greatest toy that I've ever seen and outside of my bicycles, you know. And uh, so we get them back there. And of course, we're hoping that it's going to fly halfway the decently same way. And we got them all back. And uh, I think we probably kind of drugged them there a little bit. Uh, I should say dragged them, drugged them. We didn't, didn't drug them. <laughs> we didn't drug them. We dragged them, okay. Try to be past tense. But anyway, we got them there. And we got it all set up. We started that thing up. And it went up, and it kept going, and it kept going. And literally, we're going, wow, wow. And you could tell me, it got to where I could just hear it. I couldn't see it. My son is still seeing it, and then he can't see it. And I mean, you think that's it. And I mean, it is, and I mean, it's just almost like straight up. I thought the hand of God had come down and just, you know, I just, we're sitting there. And I, I told, I said, man, this, this is, we're standing gazing up into heaven steadfastly. I'm not making a lot of this. I'm just trying to get the picture. And, and the motor cuts out. You can't hear it. Well, that's okay. We'll see it. It'll float down and we'll see it. It started back up. And do you know how they resist? It stopped, and then all of a sudden, about 10 seconds, or maybe five seconds, and then you couldn't hear it. It must have stopped again. Well, I thought, well, it'll float down. And, I mean, we're looking. My son's looking. We never saw it. We drove around. We looked on roofs. We looked over the fence. I went back off and on for two or three or four weeks to think, that thing's going to be in somebody's yard or something. Did I stretch the story? It was amazing. I tell you that because I don't think we read this passage and I don't we think we feel what's going on. Why they keep looking? Look at Psalm 47. Now, let me also say something to you again. Um, sometimes you, a preacher comes to your pulpit and your pastor, you know your pastor. He's been here a long time. And very respected, very loved and stuff. When somebody like me comes in and maybe I, I preach something, maybe you haven't been in church here or haven't been to churches like this for a while or never or something, and you hear somebody say, saying, man, where is he getting this stuff? I've never heard this. I've not, that thing that I shared with you about Joseph, that's not original with me. Roy Camp preached it years ago, going to heaven in a covered wagon, okay? It's, it's a common interpretation. That's a picture of the resurrection and ascension. So just to put you at ease, I'm not getting this from some little bird that flies outside my window at night and gives me something. I didn't find any golden plates somewhere, okay? But what I'm saying to you is, what I'm going to share with you is more obvious, okay? But studying this out a while back, and I grew up in church, grew up in a church like this, and my burden is for our church people to know as much as possible of what God has for us here. And folks, we're just getting started. Wait till we get to heaven. You're going to see a verse in here. It's, going to, it's, just, it's, it's just amazingly exciting. Look at Psalm 45. Studying this a while back, 
I saw some preachers make reference to this in their writings, and I went, whoa. So I say 45, I mean 47, okay? Verse, uh, Psalm 47, look at verse 5. Now, you can go home, and you can kind of read the context here, and uh, you can kind of see what's going on here. And if you'll do some studying, you'll, if, you know, if you need some sources, I can give them to you where the other people say this. Uh, uh, Katie Velasco, for example, she was showing this to me the other day in one of her papers. Right, Katie? No, it wasn't Katie. But anyway, all right, look at verse 5. I said Velasco, do you see? I said, okay, verse 5. God, God is gone up with a what? Shout. The Lord with the sound of a what? Now, let me ask you a question. How's he coming back? Is he not coming back with a shout? Yes, sir. Amen. Is he not coming back with a trumpet? Now, if you know these Psalms and the way they're worded, like we learned in Sunday school, one minute David's talking about his situation, and the next minute he's talking about Christ. It's kind of that Old Testament style of prophetic presentation. I mean, if you look at life of Joseph, you see Joseph, if you step back and look at it, you say, man, I kind of see Christ prefigured in here. Years ago, they took the, the, the Declaration of Independence and they took the Constitution and they made it on copper plates and they raised the lettering to where you could actually feel and see the letters. And they did it in such a way that if you step back, you could see Jefferson and Washington. See, you kind of look at it, you read it. Yeah, there's the, there's the Declaration of Independence. Here's the Constitution. Well, there's Washington and Jefferson. That's where the Bible is. You're sitting here reading and you say, yeah, man. David's going through a tough, ooh, wow, the New Testament quotes that and applies it to Christ. It's, that's why it's so amazing. Man couldn't write this. God's the author, okay? So God's got to shout and lower the sound of a trumpet. Now that passage by itself is intriguing. And if you read the whole psalm, you'll kind of get a hold of it. And we kind of think, well, that's, that's probably something to do with the second coming, maybe the rapture. But it says God has gone up. Well, Christ is God. Look at, look at Psalm 68. Again, I didn't come up with these cross-references. I didn't write this in the Bible. Okay? All right? And you can check this out. Now, am I 110% sure? No, but I'm 99%. But anyway, look at Psalm 68. This has got good standing that is definitely worth looking at. Look at verse 18 of Psalm 68. Again, you remember when Elijah was taken up into heaven in chariots? Okay, we don't know how Enoch went up. Elijah went up in chariots. Um, Enoch may have gone up on a Chevrolet, but anyway. Uh, look at verse 18. Thou hast ascended. See the chariots of God in verse 17? Those are like angels, angelic beings in, a, in certain things. Do you know the Bible tells us in Psalms and in other passages later, there were angels present on Mount Sinai when the law was given? You see, when you read passages of the Bible or key events, the Bible gives you more details later. It just keeps adding more details. All right? Notice how about chariots, etc. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Stop. We're going to see this quoted in the New Testament in a few moments. In Ephesians 4. And we're going to see this applied to Christ. Okay? At His ascension. All right, so let's read it again. Thou hast ascended on a high, thou hast led captivity captive. Now, what's captivity captive? If, a, if a, a conquering army comes in and conquers this people, and this people have captives from their previous wars, then the new conqueror gets the people they took captive. That's us. We were captive to sin. 
we weren't really captive to the devil. That's really a misunderstanding. Even though the devil had control over us and we walked according to the course of this world and, and we were led in whatever, we basically belonged to the, to the courtroom of God's broken law. And he, it had a right, Romans 6, like, like you have an incorporation. There's not really a person there, but legally there's a person. We had an obligation to breaking the law and God's the moral governor of the universe and we were in a bad situation. When Christ saved us, it's as though he took, he, he conquered, and he took us from that captivity to his captivity. I don't mind being his captive, amen? He's using a cultural word picture because our God is zealous to give you a concept and to characterize it so you can relate to it and feel the drama of it. And you know what? Church people hear the same thing over and over. We say, there is power, power, power in the blood. Well, wait a minute. What's so special about the blood? Well, we talked about this morning. And uh, how it works, it's in it. We just touched on it. The, if you keep learning, it stays fresh. It stays exciting. All right, so watch this. Thou hast received gifts for men. Why did Christ ascend? Let me just jump ahead because of the clock again. That clock, I think, is, is more rude today than it was this morning. Okay? All the merits of Christ. Did I say All. All. All the merits of Christ by his sinless life, his full taking of God's wrath on the cross. He wasn't posturing on the cross. He wasn't acting. At high noon, it became pitch black. And he became representatively sin for us. He took all the wrath of God. God does not look down at hell and say, okay, all right. They're, they're suffering. No, the Bible says God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Right. They're not in hell because God's not been appeased. Right. They're in hell because they wouldn't take the offer. Right. The light they were given, they didn't respond. You respond to get more light. One day, right. we saw it this morning, responding to the light. And God gives more understanding. The thief on the cross. That, that thief on the cross story, is that not amazing? I mean, that guy had something going on, and he responded to the Holy Spirit, starts saying, you know, son, you are looking at the gospel right here in front of you. He says, we're getting what we deserve, conviction. Not a fear of going to hell. Proven I'm guilty, the crime is charged. Conviction. You go to court, they don't try to prove you're afraid of going to hell. They're proving you broke the law. And you go, wow, we're getting what we deserve. And apparently they were both railing on Christ for a while. But remember when Christ was reviled, he reviled not again? Remember he heard Christ pray, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know Jesus paid for the sins of the guys that were crucifying him? Yeah. Nadab and Abihu offered up strange fire and God killed them. We're setting up the tabernacle. We're getting the worship in place and we're setting a president and they're being lackadaisical about it. And they offered up incense that was burned from a fire that didn't come from the altar that God had started. It's a picture of the gospel and God said, take this serious. They didn't do it. And God killed them. Uzzah reaches out to keep the ark from falling off the cart. And God strikes the dead because they were carrying it wrong. You're not supposed to touch it. Right. Now, if he's a believer, he went to, you know, Abraham's bosom went to heaven, the paradise ultimately. But what I'm saying is God took that stuff serious. They are slapping. They're ripping out his beard. They're spitting in his face. They're mocking him. They're beating him with a whip. You talk about blasphemy. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. The more Christ was crushed, the more he was abused, the more you see how much God loves us. The closest thing is probably a mother's love. Christ, God so loved the world, he gave his son. Christ gave his life. 
the Holy Spirit causes you to understand it. Amen. He heard all that. He saw all that. The light keeps coming in. He says, this man's done nothing amiss. You couldn't be around there and not have heard about Jesus. He maybe, maybe we get to him and find out that he had heard him preach and teach. And maybe he turned away for a while. I don't know. But I do know he got saved. He had no time to do anything. All he did said, Lord, remember me without comes to thy kingdom. Jesus went, what? You got to be kidding. No. This day. Boy, those religious leaders, they're shooting out the lip. They're mocking him, making fun of him. They're about as righteous as I, as I don't know what. That guy got saved. Somebody said, I thought they said it well, there's only one deathbed conversion in the Bible that no man would despair, but also that no one would presume. Isn't it nice to know that some of our relatives may have gotten saved on their deathbed and we won't know until we get to heaven? We witness to them. We talk to them, and the Spirit of God is talking to them in the very last minutes on this earth. I think we're going to see some people in heaven that I've visited with in the hospital and talked to, loved ones saying, Preacher, can you just talk to them one more time? The Spirit of God is reaching out to them. Amen? The Spirit of God loves as much as the Son of God loves them. Amen? Wow. So it's just an amazing passage, and it says here, said on high, that they received gifts for men. For the rebellious also the Lord might dwell among them. And look, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. You see, it's not God just arbitrarily loving us, even the God of our salvation. See, all, this, all that we got in Christ is because Christ so satisfied the demands of the law that everything's out of the way. He took our sins out of the way. The handwriting of ordinance that was written, Colossians, the handwriting of ordinances, all the sins we committed, so to speak, was nailed to his cross. When those guys were driving those nails through his feet and his hands, in a sense, they were nailing their sins to the cross. And Jesus, Colossians says, took them out of the way. The book of Jude says, I always like to read this in my wife's presence. Someday I'll be presented before God faultless. Before his glory. I mean, you read the last couple of verses there in Jude. I'm going to be before God someday, and Christ is going to present me with joy. And he's going to present me faultless before the throne of his glory. That means infrared light, ultraviolet light, every shade of light's going to be shown x ray, and God's going to say, I find no sin in him. Why? Because I'm in Christ. In my hands, no price I bring. Simply to the cross, I cling. What's the greatest demonstration of loving others as yourself? The cross. Romans 3 says, as great as the Ten Commandments were, as great as the law of Moses was, the cross of Christ, Romans 3, 19, etc. That's the greatest demonstration of God's love. Because he's loving others more than himself. The Father gave his son for you. How many would give your son like that? The Father, the Son gave his life for us. The Holy Spirit, I mean, Wow. Anybody ever said we got quite a God? Amen. All right. Now, flip over to we're doing good. Flip over to number 17. We got two hours and 17 seconds. No. (laughs) I'm kidding. Don't leave. I probably ought to give you back that 10 minutes this morning. Look at Numbers chapter 17. So, 
I think what was, you say, well, so what's all that mean? I think when they looked up in heaven and saw him ascending, I think they may have heard a trumpet blow. He's gone up with a shout and the sound of trumpet. I think they may have heard a shout. He's coming back the same way he left with a shout with a trumpet. We can't be 100% sure, but it sure seems like that. That Psalm 68 passage, is, is you're going to see it in a few moments in Ephesians. You're going to see it plugs right in. Now, here's another Old Testament picture. And I didn't come in close to doing justice on the Joseph account with, with his father Jacob. Did you notice that when Jacob heard his sons, it says Jacob did not believe them? But when he saw the wagon, Isaac said, My son Joseph is yet alive. You know what they said in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God came down the way it did? 3,000 people got saved. They said, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You remember they told Peter, stop preaching this resurrection? Stop it. Stop it. Peter said, I'm sorry. But we can't help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And you couldn't shut him down. Thirty-some years later when they're about to crucify him, he said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables where we made known unto you, etc. And he begins to talk about the transfiguration. We saw him. We saw him light up. By the way, it was, it was high noon. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus outshined the sun at high noon. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, saw the Tarsus, and Christ appeared, it was at noon. Read Acts 9 and 22 and the third account in 24. You get more details of Paul's conversion, all three of them putting together. When John saw him on the island of Patmos, it was noon, and he shined brighter than the sun. you got to shine pretty bright. And by the way, the light wasn't shining on Jesus. It was coming out of him on the Mount of Transfiguration. 1 Timothy 6 says, God dwells in light that no man can approach unto. God's essential glory, Christ's glory is what he's laid aside temporarily when he came here. He just showed them for a minute who he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And of all the miracles that Peter could have cited in 2 Peter 1 before he died, he said, we saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw miracles, and that's the chief miracle. But do you know what he goes on to say? As great as that was, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Holy man of God spake as they were moved. If you could see all the miracles of Christ and not have a Bible, you would be less for it. It's better to have a Bible and not see the miracles. Amen? What a book. I didn't say it. Peter said that. And they crucified him, and he knew it was coming. And I think he was singing, there's power in the blood when he went out, all right? Why? Read what he said about the blood, the precious blood of Christ. All right, let's look at chapter 17 of Numbers. All right. Here's a second picture of several Old Testament pictures of the ascension. God set up the Levitical priesthood. God said Aaron is going to be the high priest and his family line will be the priests that serve under him. Well, this doesn't happen in churches anymore. It doesn't happen in Baptist churches. But some guys rose up and said, hey, what's this family thing going on here? Moses and uh, Aaron, you guys calling all the shots. And uh, we're just as good as you guys. We think that each one of the other tribes ought to be able to be part of the priesthood. Well, first of all, it's not about us. Amen. It's about him. Okay? And uh, all the information, all the miracles they'd seen, they literally challenged Moses' authority. And they're intruding into things they have no business intruding in. So God says, Moses, Moses, 
tell each one of the heads of the tribes to break, to cut off a stick and write their name on it. Okay, like Ephraim, okay, or Manasseh and, and uh, you know, Issachar and Naphtali, etc. And bring them before us. Uh, Aaron, you get a stick and write your name on it. We'll set them up before the Lord. Okay, look what happens here. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers. You'll read the background that I gave you just a minute ago in chapter 16. Of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods, write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, for one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle, which pictures Christ, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place, that third room, literally pictures the throne room of God, the heavenly scene. Actually, that's basic interpretation. Okay? And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, that's the Ark of the Covenant. That's the last chamber you go into. There's the outer court. Okay? It'd be like if that, if that, if your vestibule is the outer court or your parking lot's the outer court. And this area out here is the holy place. And back over in here is the most holy place. That pictures the heavenly scene. There's cherubim above the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. It pictures God's actual throne. Take the rod into that room. And we find out in Hebrews. Aaron's rod was put inside the ark. That's very important. We're picturing the heavenly scene, okay? Lay it up. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, every one of their princes gave them a, uh, gave them a rod apiece for each prince one, according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded. It's been cut off. It's budding. It brought forth buds. And it bloomed blossoms, fruitfulness, vitality. And yielded fruit, almonds. Yielded almonds. Now, just interject a couple things here real quick. The almond tree is an early bloomer. They tell us the almond tree is one of the first trees that blooms and produces fruit. Readiness. In other words, Christ didn't mostly succeed and give a little bit more time. No, when he ascended, it's done. You're talking about New Testament vitality. Okay? You're talking about finished. And look what it says here. And Moses brought out all the rods before the Lord unto all the children of Israel. And they looked and took every man his rod. I got a pencil here. Well, it says Issachar, but it's kind of shriveled. Any fruit on this? You see any fruit? See, yeah, brother, it's like your sermons. But anyway, okay, let's move uh, And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token, a sign, and evidence against the rebels. And thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, and they, that they die not. And Moses did so, as the Lord commanded him, so did he. And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die, we perish, we all perish. Whosoever cometh anything near unto uh, the tabernacle of the Lord shall die, shall we be consumed with dying, and he gives them a charge and calms things down. So why did I show you that? 
That is a picture of the ascension of Christ on our behalf in heaven. Another Old Testament picture of his marriage going to heaven. All right? Now, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's get some New Testament undergirding of this. Remember the concept. I gave you the characterization. And now we're going to look at the, uh, we saw again the actual concrete application of them seeing him going to heaven looking steadfastly. The reason we think they're looking steadfastly gazing because there were probably, there was angels. There was probably a shout. There was probably a trumpet. I mean, I think it was, it was an exciting thing because he's coming back the same way that he left. Okay. What happened when Stephen was being stoned to death and he looked up into heaven? He saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. The Jesus here on earth standing at the Father's right hand. In Romans chapter 4, God the Father is being worshipped on his throne as the creator of all things, etc. Right next to him is another throne. It's chapter 5. It's Christ being worshipped as the creator and also God. Amen. He has a body, a resurrected body. And by the way, when we see him, we shall be like him. 1 John 3. We're going to get a resurrected body like him. He appears in the room, and then he disappears. He ate in front of him. They handled him. Yes. 35, 65 years later, 60 plus years later, John says in 1 John 1, he's about 90 some years old. It's been years since he saw Christ outside the Revelation, Pilate of Patmos. He said, we saw and we heard and we handled the word of life. Remember John laid his head on his chest on his bosom. He handled him before the resurrection and he handled him after the resurrection. And John and in Luke, it says, touch me. John tells Thomas, touch me. Does the Spirit, does the Spirit have flesh and bones? Do you see his scars on his hand? Yeah. Amen. They never got over this. Aren't you glad they didn't get over it? They wrote us a New Testament set of scriptures. We're here today, 1900 years later. And you're proof it's true. Listen, you're the greatest apologist there is. Your changed life, your walk, your talk. You say, well, I'm not perfect. Well, get in line. There's only one perfect, amen? You can't be saved unless you're a sinner. Okay? He didn't call to come the righteous. He came to call the unrighteous, amen? All right? You are one of the best proofs, and you're the best proof you've got that the Bible's true. Just ask yourself, where would you be? Go back to when you got saved to this point. Where would you be if it hadn't happened? See what I'm trying to say? All right. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, a lot of you know this stuff, and you've heard it, and your pastor will preach on it off and on in the future, et cetera, and it comes up. But this is Ephesians. Let me, let me say something to you. Ephesians was What about the clock? Don't do that. <laughs> I come equipped. I'd like to come back at least in your services sometime. Where's my clock? Oh, my soul. <laughs> All right. Some of you get nervous. I got seven minutes. Okay, look at verse seven. This was written to a church at Ephesus, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. God didn't play favorites. Your salvation was just as important to God as Saul of Tarsus. God was excited about the woman with the well getting saved as much as he was Timothy getting saved. Thank God for a godly mother and grandmother. 
Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now where did that come from? I guess Paul studied his Old Testament. Now that he ascended, what is it that he also descended? First the lower parts of the earth. That's the womb of Mary. That's not the pits of hell. That's the womb of Mary, Psalm 139. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. This church is here today because of the ascension. Your pastor was called to preach because of the ascension. You say, where are you getting this? Keep reading. And he gave some apostles. There's none of those today because the requirements can't be met. And some prophets and some events and some pastors and teachers. When Christ ascended 10 days before the day of Pentecost, he energized the New Testament church age uh, uh, program was unleashed. And God's been doing this now for 1900 plus years. You see, God's not just telling you this, but God's showing you how it works because he's zealous for you to follow him with knowledge. What did Peter say? What's the last thing Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What do you mean by knowledge about Jesus Christ? What was his person? What was his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension? What's that all about? What does it mean? He's prophet, priest, and king. Growing in knowledge. That's what we're trying to do right now. Understand what we got. Look, why did, why, why did God raise up all these kind of preachers and motor mouths like me? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Paul's the only one who uses that term. He compares each church to a human body. Some of your fingers, some of your eyes, some of your toes, some of your noses, whatever. And by the way, Christ is the head as authority. He's not the literal head because some are eyes and noses. People get this all mixed up. Each local church, by way of analogy, is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, okay? The building of Christ, the temple. It's just a word picture. All Israel was his bride. Each individual Christian is his bride in Romans 7. Each church is his bride. Someday all the saved will be his bride. It's just a word picture. I didn't turn female when I joined a church. Amen. It's just a word picture. People take this stuff. It's amazing. That's why you want to be in a church like this. Your pastor knows these truths. Okay. That the henceforth we should not be what? Till we all come in the unity of the faith, excuse me, in the knowledge of the Son of God. That's why I'm trying to teach in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature, unto the major. Talk about the church. This is a long-standing church. You've got a track record. You've got history. Satan hates you. Oh, he hates you. But God's bigger than the devil. If every church in America was doing what you're doing, and we had about another 10,000, it'd be a different nation. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And we know God's doing it. We're no better than anybody else. Amen. That henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about for every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him and all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. You're being compared to a bone, ligament, tendons, how we're all connected. Look at all the different personalities here. Look at all the different backgrounds. Look how it works. Look how this body works. It's just a word picture. Okay, the body is supposed to work in conjunction with each other and you're doing it. Maketh increase the body into the edifying of itself in love. Now go to chapter 2. I've got to pull this together. Go to chapter 2 of Ephesians. Look at these statements. Now, when I got married, <clears throat> when I, my wife and I were quasi-dating, quasi-courting. Her dad, she had to be in at 10 o'clock unless I bought him a steak dinner and, and changed the oil in his car, mowed his yard or whatever. 
then it could be 10, 15. But anyway, <clears throat> the porch light would go on and off. That meant you got to get in in five minutes. He was a man of grace. Give me a few minutes. And, uh, and you know what? She went in because I wanted to see her again. The strangest thing happened when we got married. There was no more porch light. I didn't take her home. We went on honeymoon. He didn't come after me. We had an apartment picked out. We're in school. We moved into our apartment, and he's in heaven now. He never chased me down. There was no porch light. Why? We had become one in marriage. She's on my headship now instead of his headship. And we believed it and acted on it. You are in Christ. You're no longer under the old Adam. You don't earn God's favor. God does not love you more when you're in church than when you're not in church. Okay? Bad shoes. Okay. <laughs> or foot not adequately on step. Okay. Look at Ephesians 2 here. This, this is a great passage. Look at verse 1. And you hath he quickened, brought to life, born again, regenerated, who were dead, separated, cut off. The word dead means cut off, separated. Separated from God. That's what happened to Adam and Eve immediately. And they also begin to die physically. They were separated from their body, the soul and the spirit later. And trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Is this world not have its own course? Be careful. We're getting flooded like nobody's ever been flooded before. You're not going to be able to serve God if you get too involved in it. It'll eat your lunch. According to the prince and power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now work in the children of disobedience. Don't look your nose, down at your nose too much at those people. They're not saved. We all had our conversation, our lifestyle, our way of life in times past, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of God, even as others. But there came a time where we were so handsome and so cute and so beautiful. God said, you don't know. No, no. In that state, but God, who is rich in mercy, not giving us the punishment we deserve, not requiring the payment due for our sins, Katie, that's one of the 12 key word definition, remember that? Kevin's not here, Katie, so I, have to, I know he's sick, so I'm just helping, helping. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he what? Loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us up together with Christ. When Christ rose from the dead, it's just as though you did. You said, I wasn't around yet. Doesn't make any difference. God's outside of time. He represented you on the cross. He was there for you as much as anybody else. Read Psalm 139 again. It'll help you out. You're not an accident. You are here now. You are who you are for a reason. The womb is the workshop of God. And hath raised us up together. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the verse. Raised us up together. And put your name there. Made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's not future. That's now. We think we're being real spiritual and we are. It's the right step. And we sit here and go, well, now, what would God want me to do? Okay, God, I got it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try it. That's good. But that's really not what's being said. God wants you to so understand what it is to be ascended in Christ that you look at your marriage from up down. What does marriage look like from God's perspective? What does marriage look like in view of eternity? What does marriage look like as far as being in heavenly places, so to speak? What does my job look like? What do I look like? What does my parenting look like? You are a heavenly people. Amen. The church is a heavenly instrument for earthly ministry. 
legally, your address is now heaven. That's what it's saying. Philippians says our conversation is in heaven. Not just by example, legally. You have a legal address. You could be in Scotland trying to get on an airplane to fly back here. They're not going to chase you down the airplane. You're going to get your mail at your house. Amen? We have a legal address. Does that make sense? You have a legal status. And who said? God said so. Pretty big. Pretty big authority. Keep reading. Look at this. He raised up together and made us set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? God, God's telling you. I just don't say, hey, we're at my house and we're going to play Monopoly. And since you're at my house, I'm going to set the rules. And every third time you get all the money and free parking because I'm just a really nice God. And the dice I've given you, they always roll doubles except the third time so you don't have to go to jail. No, he cannot violate who he is. Okay, God can do anything but go contrary to his nature. The only thing God can't do is go different than his nature. He worked out a way where sin could be punished and you to be spared. Justice satisfied. And look why he did it. Next verse. That in the age to come, If the rapture happens right now, I don't know when the rapture is going to happen. I don't set dates. But if the rapture happened right now, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, then a thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. Then he's going to make a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. What I'm telling you is, and there's other passages, but you know, that stupid clock's not our friend. In the ages to come, unfolding. We started with the pre-flood. We started the Garden of Eden. They fell. We had the pre-flood world. Then we had Israel. Now we're in the church age. Now it's going to come the millennial kingdom. It's going to make a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. It's going to make a whole new universe. The ages, plural. Ages to come. He's going to continue to unfold and to reveal. He's infinite. We're not one of God's hobbies. This is what God is doing. All we're getting is, have you tasted the Lord is good? Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Yeah. Do you walk in the way that's new? There's honey in the rock. Amen. You ever heard that old hymn? We're just getting a taste of good things to come. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I didn't say it. I'm telling what the Bible says. So, as we close, go to Colossians. I've slotted the outline, so just let the big outline work. The clock would not allow a very fine-tuned Paulish three-point sermon. Okay time. Okay. Look at Colossians 3 and I close as I read this. Look at verse 1. If you then be risen with who? Are you saved today? Are you risen with Christ? Here's what you should be doing. Seek those things which are above where Christ sat on the right hand of God. What are those things? You mean the golden streets and the river of life? No. What you have in Christ that will help you down here. What do I have in Christ that will make a difference in my marriage, my parenting, my job, my self-identity? Amen? Yeah. Now, all I'm trying to do is give you a concept. I'm trying to open some doors for you to think about. Okay? There's books to read. There's cross-referencing. Set your affection. Remember I said concept, characterization, and then the concrete application? When I was in high school, my early college years, I did a lot of concrete work. Young? A few years younger than I am now. 
out there in the hot sun doing concrete work, setting up forms. We did basements, did the footing. First time I did that, I put those big old tall, worn out plywood with oil all over them, those wires going through them. I said, boy, this is embarrassing. I'm working for this guy. I'm going to set these things up. I'm glad this basement's going to be underground because these walls are going to be cockeyed. Look at this. And the guy I was working for, first baseman I did, he said, they'll pop in place when the concrete's poured. I said, yeah, they'll pop in place. We set those things up. That's hot work. You put that thing, you get that situated and so forth, and you've already got the footing down there okay, that's setting on. So you got this eight foot or so high. You get in place, and next day, here comes the big old trucks. They come up, and boy, they put the brakes on at the last minute, and they stop that thing on a dime on its edge. And they poured that concrete here, pop, 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 the rebar's in there, pop, pop. I thought, well, it won't look that bad. We come back the next day, pop those things off. I knew why they were oil treated now. I knew why you didn't use new ones all the time. A little expensive. Pull those things off, looks pretty good. So, well, that's one of the first basements I poured. You guys don't have basements here so much. Concrete sets up. Set your affection. Enjoy the things down here. Amen? Enjoy this. But it can't be number one. Your past, this is not home. Abraham looked for a city. Enjoy this. Enjoy family relationships and friends. But folks, we're at an airport terminal. You can live there. There's candy machines. There's restrooms. There's water fountains. You can fall asleep in a chair. I don't know when the plane's coming. But I do know this. When it comes, we're going to have a direct flight. Ask Lazarus, who was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Paradise at that time. Amen. Amen. When he comes... We're out of here. And you're going to have one regret you get to heaven. You're going to say, I wish I'd set my effects on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, Christianity is Christ. He didn't come to give us water. He didn't come to give us bread. He didn't come to give us life. He is the water. He is the bread. He is the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity is Christ. It's a relationship. It's a person. It's not teachings. It's not precepts. It's a person. I love the concept of marriage. I look forward to the concept of marriage because I embody not just the concept. I wanted to be married to someone. And I did. I love marriage because I had someone to love and to marry. We're not talking about a concept. We're talking about a relationship. What would marriage be if it was just a concept? We're not talking concepts. And we shall appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. Don't watch TV. <laughs> uh, uh, evil concupiscence, yeah. covetousness, which is idolatry. For which saints sake the wrath of God cometh on children's disobedience. Which also you walk some time, then you live in, but now you've put off these, etc. And here's the thing. Mortify doesn't mean you get up in the morning and say, okay, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. You know how I've stayed loyal to my wife? And I have by the grace of God. You know how she stayed loyal to me? I only have eyes for her. I made a commitment to her and to God. And I am separated unto my wife. And I'll separate from all the women that wanted to marry me. <laughs> I'm not separated from them. I'm separated to my wife. If I focus on all the women I could have married, I'm going to get in trouble. I focus on my wife. And she has pity on me. But anyway, what I'm saying to you is, we're, we focus on Christ. We lose ourselves with the cause of Christ. Folks, you've got a really good church here. I don't need to tell you that. Keep doing what you're doing. 
When you get to heaven, you're going to say, by and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn, shadowed face, scarred face, set in his hands, I wish I had given him more. So much more. The joy of the Lord is my strength. A man, a man of man said that, Nehemiah. Wasn't at youth camp with juniors. It was Nehemiah. Love your church. Love your pastor. Love your Sunday school teachers. Love each other. Love your staff. Amen. Amen. And hold on to this thing and be found faithful to the end. I've given you a little flash of what we're doing. Get in the book. And it's so much better as, as Brother Marcos comes. Every head bowed and I closed. This goes perfect with, the, with your men's uh, meet, meeting we had on time yesterday. This is perfect. God just amazingly puts things together in such a miraculous way because he's speaking to us. He's speaking to you and to me. And he's asking us, where are your affections? Have you set your affection on him? What are you living for? Are you living for what you can gain from this world? Or are you living as if you're in heaven now? Because the day you go to glory, whether God calls us in the rapture and takes us home, or if you die, everything stays here, except for what we've done for him. Where are your affections tonight? If God has spoken to your heart, as Brother Yule sings, you come right now as God has spoken to your heart.